What? Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is uh, Blake and Dan Fixes the World. Um, I am Blake. This is my co-host, Dan. The one who did not do that terrible Lil John impression. Uh, <laughs> yes, this is Dan. Uh, uh, we fix your computers, now watch us fix the world. Uh, yeah, All right, so... Do not have a uh, career in rap, my friend. I do not have a career in rap. I can't be a hype man. What? I mean, you can't be a hype man who just his entire stick is ripping off another hype man. Ugh, like, you're right. I, 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 Can my like, thing be why? I could just be like, why? <laughs> <laughs> but why? Like, like, I don't know if you're really a hype man at that point. You might, you might be a mildly excited man or something, but I mean. <laughs> I'm like, actually not a hype man at all. I'm a questioning your <laughs> motives, man. <laughs> you become the pick but your why? interest man. <laughs> like, like, oh, I'm mildly curious. Okay, that's so funny. Um, so welcome back, everybody. This is our seventh episode, I believe. I, I could be so. totally wrong. I'm pretty sure this I is seven. Uh, and this is brought to you by Reese's Puffs. Not because we're sponsored by them, but because I'm really craving them right now. I'm actually not. I hate peanut butter. That's a whole nother thing. (laughs) Today, we are going to talk to you guys about gaming and the gaming industry. And I know Dan did a whole bunch of research into a lot of nonsense. And so I'm going to let him go ahead and uh, spiel out some stuff to you guys. Yep. Just I just went home and just researched Pong, just Pong. Just Pong and Space Invaders, and that is oh, all we're funny. talking all about. My research was playing Pong. Yep, that is the kind of you know hipster I am. Like we were going to do an entire episode on gaming culture, but now nah, you know that's just too mainstream. The Pong and Space Invaders is where it's at. Everything past that is BS. I'm totally full of shit. Anyway, yes, today's episode is about gaming and gaming culture. So, uh. Obviously, both uh, Blake and I are gamers. Uh, I'm much more casual of a gamer than I used to be when I was, you know, in my teen high school era. It's very easy to be a hardcore gamer when you don't have hardcore responsibilities and bills. Um, so I have um, truth, man. Yeah, no qualms with saying, "Hey, I am a casual gamer. I, you know, game in my spare time." When my responsibilities are done, I know I piss off a bunch of my friends because they play games much more intensely than I do. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get to this when I feel like it. Or I'm really bad about just playing something until I get bored. And then once I get bored, I'm done. And that might be in the middle of like the main story. Or maybe if I'm like, I get through the ma- get through the story, but don't get the side missions. But I'm not one of those people who's like, I gotta complete everything. No, I'm a, I am here to have a good time. So, what's up about having a good time? I am done playing this game. Um, I have a bad habit of just not even finishing games. Like, I'll get like almost halfway through, and then I'll just be like, oh, a new shiny game. Let's play that instead. Yeah, it's it's I'm in the exact same boat. It's like, yep, 
Like, oh, I like this game, like this game, like this game, and board. All right, I'm done now. Yeah, I try not to buy story-based games a ton anymore just because of that. Because I just, I I never finish them. Like, I, I'm totally a PvP or, like, co-op style gamer. I like things like League of Legends, not Call of Duty or Fortnite, but, like, League of Legends, um overwatch or it, like the old halos where you could couch oh, co-op yeah. like i like all that stuff halo was pretty much my entry into multiplaying games i remember like i didn't have like high speed internet until end of high school so i remember one day i came home i think junior year we finally had dsl in our house and i could finally play games on i had an xbox for like two or three years already, but we didn't have high-speed internet, so I just played only solo games. And so it was like a whole new world. I, I My first day having internet, I got on Soul Calibur, I believe, and I met my friend Doug and my friend Jennifer. And that was when I was 17. I'm 29 now, 12 years later, still friends with both of them from my first day playing games online. That's so, so crazy. I honestly don't know how people like make friends online. Like I have no friends that I've met online, like for um, like playing video games. Like I always played with people I already knew. Like even now, I don't think I've met anyone online, which is so funny. Cause I meet like tons of people through online dating but like I've never been comfortable meeting people while playing games online. <laughs> okay, so I have to phrase that. I have not met them in person, uh, not for lack of trying. I know. No, Jen, no, I, I totally get it. Yeah, Jen and I were in the same convention at one point, and but convention was like forty thousand people at the con. So, yeah, you're in the same spot, but you can go weeks at that con, at a con and, and still not see everybody. So. Like, but we were in the same location. Doug lives in California. So that's why okay. I haven't met him. One day I will meet you, Doug, one day. Uh, but that was also before social media is what it is. So like now it's I feel it's much more common to have people and friends that you've never been in the same room with because of social media than 10, 15 years ago. Uh, so it's like, I've never met them face to face, but obviously we have Snapchat, we have course facebook instagram so there's all these other methods of like seeing people in their day-to-day that i guess i've seen them on so that's as close as we've gotten to but um yeah multi but we'll get to more to multiplaying game multiplayer games uh, a little later on so uh hit quick real quick cliff notes history of gaming um the first video game machine was actually created by a nuclear physicist or it was actually Dr. Uller, Uller? Oh, I'm probably butchering his name, but Uller in the 1940, uh, for a 1940s World Fair. Uh, he, was, he was employed by uh, Westinghouse Electric Company, and he created Dude, a computer. I Westinghouse TV. I know, it still the makes company's stuff. still around. That's crazy. Yes. Uh, he created a computer that could play the game NIM, uh, which is a strategy game that's been done for centuries. It's You've probably seen it before with matchsticks. In some form or another, you basically have to move matchsticks from pile to pile. It's a strategy game with matchsticks. 
So I need to know. It's probably not going to win IGN Game of the Year again anytime soon. Um, but that was um, what really what arguably is the first video game. Uh, it made a ton of money uh, for Westinghouse at the fair because the computer was very smart or at least smarter than most people. Uh, it had a reported to have a 90% win success rate uh, against average individuals. So doesn't specify how much of a charge um, Dr. Uller charged people to play the game, but you only imagine, you know, how much money you gain through out of 50,000 people were reported to have played the game throughout the length of, it was on you know, display for the fair. So 50,000 people with a 90% loss rate of those people. Yeah. Tons of money. And even if you win, I mean, I don't know if there's necessarily a prize, uh, but that was what was considered the first major video game. And the market was pretty much dead again for anything else into the seventies. Uh, in 72, you had the Magnavox Odyssey. A lot of people feel or think Pong is the first video game. It actually is not. Uh, Magnavox came out a couple months before Pong did. However, uh, there was definitely a lawsuit with Pong. Uh, you could play the same kind of tennis game that Pong is on a Magnavox Odyssey, but you know, lawsuits are lawsuits. There's a bunch of patent information. If you stole this, you stole that, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that was what we had in 72. Um, uh, inspired by the success of the, of the Magnavox and the Atari, multiple companies began to create their own in-house arcade machines almost overnight, and the market exploded. Uh, up until the time, arcades weren't really as much of a thing, or you had a lot of houses that had a lot of pinball machines. <coughs> Excuse me but not so much in arcade. So uh, arcade cabinets came with this new idea that could generate your business a ton of money just by being there. You start seeing arcade cabinets showing up at restaurants a lot, like pizzerias. You saw a lot of them at bowling alleys. Uh, anywhere there was a pinball machine now was either being replaced by an arcade cabinet of some kind or had an arcade cabinet next to it. And by the late 70s, early 80s was what many people consider to be the golden age of the video game arcade uh, on 78 to 82 you have a lot of our the classics uh space invaders galaga the aforementioned pong pac-man a lot of those are really gaining steam around that time frame <clears throat> and then you have the crash <laughs> so in 1983 uh Spurred by a couple things, you have a huge market crash in terms of the success as well as popularity in overall video games, or at least arcade-based video games. You have an issue with a lot of companies. It's, it's very similar to um, when new consoles come out, how they're always so intrigued and interested about creating a new console that... A lot of the, you know, games that come out on a new console almost always suck. Like, not a vi like not throughout the entire lifestyle, obviously, but, like, like if you've ever gotten a, a, a next-gen console and just picked up whatever games were on the shelf at the time of its launch, most launch title games are pretty shitty. Like, I remember I got knacked for my PS4 
It had a PS4 at launch, and I don't even know yeah, what that game is. was. Ass, ass is what that game is. Didn't didn't like the PS4 launch with some like uh Centurion game or something like some Roman Xbox had that. Ah, okay, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it, it it's um. Most of the time, launch titles are not the best titles. Now, imagine if every launch title also came with an, its own console. So in 83, you have a situation where you have a lot of companies blowing up overnight, making a, an arcade cabinet or a game. And a lot of these games suck and are just overall not fun. There's no rating scale at this time. You know, people are just happy to have a game. No one's really... It's like anime in the 90s. You were just happy to have anime. There was no bad anime in the late 90s and 2000s. You had anime or you had none. And that was it. So there was just people just happy to have or or just churning out these games without giving much thought into the quality. Um, Also, similar to modern times, you had PCs, the home computer starting to take off as much more of a machine that can play video games for you and better and obviously that never it never consoles never really outran that <laughs> um even today so in 1983 you have the video game crash uh spurred again by a complete oversaturation in in video games too many but many of them aren't good and they're just not bringing people in and as well as a lot more hardcore or if you want to call them that hardcore gamers are moving to having a home PC where they can play their games. So the more casual fans, casual people, kind of just move on to other things. And this lasts for about three years in the U.S. And went until 1986, it's me! Nintendo comes through and creates the, the rebrands their Famicom console to the Nintendo Entertainment System. And it single-handedly revitalized the gaming market in, in America. I don't know about you. I remember distinctly for a very long time, pretty much until Xbox. If you want a gaming console, I mean, your options were, you know, Nintendo or Sony or Sega. So me being a little younger, um, I didn't really play anything from the early 90s. My first gaming system that I really remember playing it's probably the PlayStation and the Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, the system I remember playing the most was the PS2, but uh, and the Xbox. I remember when my friend—I didn't even have an Xbox. I remember my buddy uh, Trevor, my best friend from childhood, getting an Xbox and us just playing nonstop Halo because mm-hmm. Halo Two was already out when he got it. I remember us playing nonstop Halo in the right. Halo Two. Right. Dude, I remember one of my favorite childhood memories. They say I don't. I don't mean to get dark here. They say like when you're about to pass away, like your life flashes before your eyes. I can guarantee you at least one of those moments is going to be me at age nine, coming down the stairs. I got really good grades in my report card, and my mom had bought me a Nintendo sixty four, and she had the whole like commercial setup of it like she woke up early she unpacked it 
She hooked it to the TV. She had like, it, it was like she was doing an ad for Nintendo 64. But she had like the game on one side and both controllers plugged in and like already had the cartridge in there. And I wake up just on a Saturday afternoon to like eight-year-old heaven. And like, I just, I'm looking around, couldn't even speak. I just, ah! And I just run to my mom. Thank you. So that That's was like so my, cool, man. Like my dad sent me a Nintendo, but I was so young when he sent it. Like I didn't have the attention span for it. So I just, yeah. oh, it's Nintendo. It's still in my closet <laughs> in my grandparents' house. Like I, <laughs> uh, I know my dad had like a Nintendo NES and I remember playing some stuff, but like it, I didn't really have the attention span or like anything. And then, uh, I think PlayStation and the Nintendo 64 kind of came out around the same time. Late 90s. Yeah. Nintendo so 64, I we had a PlayStation. Uh, I only really played a Nintendo 64 over at friends' houses. Mm-hmm. So, yep. And that is, again, Nintendo pretty much saved video gaming. Um, as I would say, I think video gaming would have always existed on computers, but in terms of it exploding in popularity, being this this new brand of entertainment that has become so mainstream and casual, a lot of that's owed to Nintendo. Oh, by, it, by the way, yeah, N64 came out in the uh, end of end of 96. So I was five. Okay. Um, so in 1986, they released their, their uh, Nintendo entertainment system. Uh, and the graphics for the time were monumental. Uh, very, uh, you had Mario who looks like a person ish. Um, you had games like Mike Tyson's Punch Out, where Little Mac looks like a person. You look at games like on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred and Magnavox, and you didn't have people who looked like people. You had little blocks and blotches of color, and they were told you were told that's supposed to be a person. So, uh, for its time, the graphics are outstanding. Uh, two years later. Their first major competition of Sega comes around and the home entertainment system and video game consoles is really revitalized. Uh, and Nintendo and Sega would pretty much take, dominate the market up until the early 2000s. Uh, Sega will release the Dreamcast. It will flop. Uh, Nintendo releases the GameCube, which is a cult success, but a commercial failure. Um, a lot of people still love their GameCubes. I'm, I'm, don't hate me by saying it sucked. I'm just saying it did not turn out the numbers Nintendo expected. But also a new player entered the arena, which was Sony, another Japanese-based company, with their PlayStation. Which and to this day... killed the market. Yes, which this day, they still hold the record for the... Sony still holds the record for being the um, most... Having a console that sold the most units. The PlayStation 2 is the most widely sold at the time of this podcast is the most widely bought game console in history. Dude, everybody um, had a PS2. I think we had two. Yeah. I think we played it so much that my brother and I had to have our own because <laughs> we were just fighting over it. I remember my mom setting us up like uh, a whole like a futon downstairs and an entertainment system. Mm-hmm. You know, it was still box TVs back then, but she had a mm-hmm. like a a 30 something inch box TV for us and got it like brand new setting up that and the dreamcast. We had like two playstations. Mm-hmm. 
we had two TVs down there stacked up. So one could play up here, one could play down there. So we weren't fighting. <laughs> uh, I remember that so much. It was such a cool setup. Yeah. Similar to how I got my Nintendo. Like, I remember I was 12. I was 12 years old. So this would have been circa 2003. And uh, spring of 2003. And... I had got, unlike third grade and sixth grade, Dan had got terrible grades in his report card. So my uh, mom was like, said she wasn't going to get me a PlayStation, but my dad was still kind of on board. My parents didn't live together. So he kind of, I guess, didn't care about pissing her off. So similar idea. I come home from school and there's a big blue package. I th- it, honestly, it looked like initially like a phone book, it's like not like. Cause we would get like, you know, our big, you know, phone book, white pages, uh, yeah. So I thought it was one of those. I'm like, all right, I guess we got the phone book. So I came over cause I was a nerd. I will look up different businesses. I wanted to visit in a phone book. Um, I went over (laughs) there. I was really, okay. I really wanted to do Kung Fu at the time. I was like, really, I gotta do Kung Fu classes. So I I will always go to the, how much of a nerd I was. I will go to the yellow pages and look and see what schools were in my area. And so I can I, just see little Dan flipping through the friggin' phone books. <laughs> so, so I can just try and plan out what martial arts I can study. Um, oh, that's so yeah. funny. Uh, but I can't, yeah, I came over there. Super secret thing that not really anybody knows about me. It's not even a secret. Uh, but uh, my first job was actually making phone books. Right. Wow. This is kind of a boring <laughs> job. How was it? <laughs> my best friend's uncle their actor we actually made directories which are phone books for businesses mm-hmm. um but my friend's uncle had a company that did it uh dickman directories i don't even know if they're still active right now we would print them i just remember having these industrial printers printing printing freaking phone books i'd glue the the spines onto them with this other crazy mm-hmm. ass machine and then they had this giant industrial crazy looks like it's from the early 1900s cutter thing that would just that we would use to cut the books. Damn. Was how old were you like 16? I was 17, I believe. Okay. Yeah, my first job was at Coldstone Creamery and uh if there's one person who I don't care if they listen to our podcast. It's my first boss. Cause like to this day, having been working in some form of for 13 years now, um, and through three different companies and at least a good 10, 15, 20 managers, I can still 100% say my first boss was my absolute worst boss and worst manager ever. So I'm not going to name dropper on podcast, but yeah, absolute worst boss at like Coldstone was fine. It was a fun place to work. Food was delicious. They have some great ice cream, but I had a horribly bad boss. All right. So you, you come home and you have that package waiting there. So, (laughs) so I'm, I'm, I go get us a little more back on track and not shame your boss. Yeah, it's too hard. Sorry. I had to, get, had to get that out of there. Like, hey, you know what? I'm sure. Don't that watch was, this. I'm sure that was probably like her first management job. And she's like, no, it wasn't. It no, wasn't. it was not. This was not Shit. a young lady. This was not Put a young lady. Blast, he was you know, we're going to do a whole episode just dedicated to her. 
40 or 50. All right. Who you know makes the schedule the day before it's due at two in the morning? That's... All right. And th- knowing that nobody has any method of contacting you. Wow. And then mad that people don't know what time they're supposed to be at work. Oh, uh, anyway. That's, that's awful. That's <laughs> anyway, literally awful, dude. I don't four even... years prior to that, when I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four years prior to that. Uh, so I come home ready to unbox my fun little activity of looking at the phone books. And like I look and it's like, what is this box? And I turn it over and I see PlayStation. I'm like, oh, snap. And I went nuts. That like revi- I, I still had my N64. I still will play that. But obviously, now I'm in like the second generation of gaming. Um, finally, you really start to see gaming um, with the with the with the uh, PlayStation coming aboard. PlayStation had one thing that Nintendo really did not have, and even this day doesn't have, which you started to see a lot of mature content games. Then uh, Nintendo really has always liked the family angle, and even to this day, still has very few or relatively few mature titles. Uh, mature being rated M for mature on the ESRB rating scale for people ages seventeen and up. I think uh, one of their th- early on games that was like, all right, so this is probably completely wrong, but this is like the earliest game I know of that I believe is owned by either Nintendo or Sega. Um, that was a little more mature was like resident evil. I don't remember which console resident evil That's came Sega. out. On I, I'm pretty sure it's Sega. Mm-hmm. I'd bet the house on that. Okay. All right. But was it the dreamcast? I don't know what system it came out on. Yeah. PlayStation did kind of crush the Dreamcast. Um, the graphics were, blue, uh, for the time, blue Dreamcast out of the water. Um, Sega pretty much went under and now only produces get produces games uh, after the after the I don't want to say failure because Dreamcast had some good stuff. Had Power Stone, had Jet Set Radio, uh, had Sonic Adventure. Hmm. Crazy Taxi, dude. Crazy Taxi. Sonic Adventure is kind of a hit or miss. It's like Sonic fans love Sonic Adventure. Sonic You're not a Sonic fan. It's not Sonic game, Sonic game I ever played, and it had one and two on there. Mm-hmm. Which game? So it had Sonic Adventures one and two. Was that on GameCube? Two. Might no, have GameCube on. released like a, a director's cut version where you had both Sonic Adventures one and two, in there in, a, in a one disc. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty sure Sonic Adventures one and two both came out on the drink Dreamcast. Uh, you might be right, but um, we need we need to do more research about Sega. But um, <laughs> and this is the Cliff Notes version. Sorry, I don't know have all the exact facts about when one company was defunct. You know what what year Crazy Tax the Three Third Strike came out. I'm sorry. Um, um that actually <laughs> comes out in 2026. Oh hell yeah. Um, but yeah, so. Around the mid 2000s, you really start to see gaming create start to really get its own culture. At the t- up until then, gaming was this thing that kids did. Maybe your dad did it with you, so maybe your dad had a little bit of experience playing video games, or she, she, they, they grew up at the arcades. So they remember playing Pac Man and Galaga. But it wasn't until the mid to early 2000s with the 
Web 2.0 developing on the internet, where more and more people have access to the internet from their home computer, and the advent of more mature games, do games really start to take up their own subculture and not just be this thing for kids? And that's when the gaming culture really starts to take root. Uh, sites such as Newgrounds.com, which was devoted obviously to PC games on the Flash Player, but you know, but still gaming in some form was very popular. Uh, G4 Tech TV or Tech TV, which later became G4 Tech TV. Uh, gained tons of popularity in the early to mid 2000s as a network devoted to gamers and people in that gaming culture and would subsequently then generate a lot of followers on their forums and also sites like 4chan and we just broke the rule one and two uh, also became popular little hubs for people to talk about gaming and make these jokes and macro images devoted to gaming and that's really when things start to take off. So I'm going to pass. I know I've done a good bit of talking. You're going to pass the ball over here to uh, Blake. He's going to explain some more information about games as a gaming companies and the you know benefits that gaming culture has had on the, I guess, American or even the world psyche. Um, so when we talked about doing... Uh, this podcast on gaming uh, I didn't I didn't really know what direction I wanted to go so I did a lot of research into a lot of things um, and so I started out looking at just like how it is working at gaming companies and unfortunately it was a lot of bad um, over the years uh, gaming companies kind of uh, screw over their employees which is very unfortunate considering that you know they produce these really amazing games but i believe a lot of the stuff i saw like the average person that works in like game development only works like five years because they are overworked and underpaid so you know when you're playing those games uh definitely appreciate the work that went into them because a lot of people gave up a lot of their life to make that game and to test that game and and refine it so, and that's why a lot of gaming companies go under or anything like that. But a lot of gaming has changed over the years, uh, especially picking up where, where Dan left off with the um, Web 2.0 and, and when online gaming became a thing. I remember growing up, everybody said gaming would, or video games would brought your brain. Video games were you know, for kids or they made kids violent and all this stuff. Um, and I just remember always hearing that growing up. And so a lot of research in the past, like 10 years has been done into gaming and uses for gaming and a lot of things like that. And gaming can actually one improve memory and it can help with things like uh dementia that's a big thing that can help with playing video games actually helps people remember things better another thing is video games are great outlets for kids to get out their teen angst it's a it's a great way for kids to kids and adults to express themselves and uh especially in games like 
uh, open world games where you can make whatever choices you want. Things like Red Dead Redemption, um, things like I remember playing Mass Effect, getting to play like pick all the choices that I wanted. So games like that, where you can kind of pick and choose and be who you want to be, um, really are good for people. Uh, I can't think of the word. Uh, it's good for people's um, emotional development and um, helps improve emotions uh, or they're just emotional depth and everything like that, because you get to kind of be who you want to be in those games and figure figure yourself out. Um, and another really big thing um, that I my favorite thing about games and stuff is that social aspect. You can meet people. I, I know I already said I don't make friends on the Internet playing video games, but you I mean, I still play with other people and I still talk to other people. And even though some games do have very toxic uh player bases um that social aspect actually um there a lot of people have done studies into it where the social aspect of video games and online gaming kind of helps you learn social etiquette or learn who to trust because you gotta you gotta know what kind of people you want on your team and and all that kind of stuff so it's really good to learn social skills and uh one thing you kind of hit on which um we had kind of forgotten about but it's definitely worth mentioning and it's something that we heard a ton of growing up is that video games cause violence they don't they actually do the opposite every couple of years when unfortunately we have any kind of atrocious act or act of violence People like to have a scapegoat. It's it's the same with conspiracy theories. No one ever likes to think that some, some crazy shit just happened. No one ever likes to think that someone just made a horrible decision that hurt tons of people at a whim or because of tons of underlying issues. It's much more convenient and easier to swallow it as a quick blame somebody or something. and. Video games are often the the violence that you can simulate in video games is also is often pointed as the culprit for violent acts. When in actuality, the only reason these acts even get any notoriety is because they are so rare. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, if you hear a ten year old shot somebody to death, that is going to be much more sensationalized and be in the news more frequently than just hearing uh, there was some gang activity in this area and, and, and somebody got shot to death. Um, the rates of child, or, or, sorry, let's go back and forth. First of all, the rates of murders in America actually begin to drop significantly when once video games start to become more popular, specifically home consoles. Uh, the, I believe America hit its murder capital or, or its highest murder rates in the mid 80s whereas the nintendo entertainment system it became popular in 86 and sega genesis became popular in 88 and then you begin to see american homicide rates start to dramatically drop down and though it is hard to for some people to believe especially with how sensationalized the news is today and how much social media exacerbates that but it is true that we have the lowest homicide rates in American history today, 
Yes, there are certain areas of the U.S. that are still, unfortunately, very violent and have large rates of you know murder and and violence. But just statistically speaking, things were much worse a couple decades ago. And the second video games go on the market, violence drops down dramatically. Uh, America's highest violence rates were actually yep, around 88, actually. So around 88 is the highest rates of, of homicides in America. And like then, I was saying, like a lot of kids get to get out their uh, teen angst and all that crap mm-hmm. that, you know, makes them act all crazy. Mm-hmm. Um by playing video games people get to live the lives they want to live um very 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 few people are like huh i love killing people in video games maybe i should do that in real life and i don't think anyone does to be honest i think it's like i like okay do you play madden yeah did madden make you like football or did you already like football i already liked football exactly I played madden because i play football or i liked football I like Street Fighter. I like, I'm not very good at it, but I like Street Fighter. I like games with really good martial arts combat elements in it. Not because gaming got me into martial arts. I was already into martial arts. And then I just played games that that were about that because that was something I was already interested in. You see violent people have violent games in their home. One, because just like violent movies like Rambo or... You know, I can't of like Commando, Bloodsport, Predator. Violent movies are now a mainstay in American culture. So, trying to insinuate that someone had had violent media in their home, so it made them violent, requires this huge leap in logic because you have to then ignore all the thousands and thousands of people who also had the same video games, the same movies, the same content who don't kill tons of people. I have so many violent video games and I have historically yeah. not killed people. Yeah, it's it's definitely, it's a quick, and it, people fear what they don't know and people fear what they, you know, people often blame whatever the ge- new generation has that they didn't have on their problems. Um, you can go back to people blaming television and how it's going to destroy American society. Just having a TV in the house. It's it's very it's it, it's nothing new, unfortunately. The previous generation usually blames the current generation's newfangled gadgets and gizmos on whatever problems that they're having, not realizing that no, they're just problems of society that never really go away. Um, it's, it's very convenient to want to blame a video game when something bad happens. But again, like when they, people, when, when scientists started saying that smoking causes cancer, it wasn't because one or two people got cancer after smoking. It was, you saw statistically cons- a consistent amount of people who did this activity get lung disease and cancer to the point that we have a causal link. And you don't have that with violence in video games. You have correlation you have violent people who happen to also like video games oh yeah if you're a violent person you're gonna like violent video games just and violent movies and you know violent books and violence everywhere like you said like you like martial arts so you like shit where there's martial arts in it Mm -hmm. you tend to go to things you like it's just like i play madden because i like football 
I, you know, I like a lot of other games where I get with that aren't like that are violent, but I'm not a violent person. I played Call of Duty all through high school, man. He's holding me hostage to say this. (laughs) I've got a gun in my head right now. I'm holding a gun at his head. Blake's not violent. Blake's not violent. (laughs) But oddly enough, he lives in Cleveland, so me pointing a gun at him doesn't really do anything. Not really. I just can turn off my monitor and then... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I was watching something about kids, uh, about there being <laughs> some freaking idiot was talking about how school shootings were at an all time low because uh, they were saying because of Trump. <laughs> but it had last to do year, with nobody being in school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, it just showed this kid going, oh, no. Oh, no. He's got a gun. Just shuts the laptop. He's like, oh, it's OK. <laughs> Yeah. Jimmy's got a Very- gun. Turns off the laptop. Ah, oh, I feel so much safer now. So much safer. <laughs> um, I can't see but, him anymore. Yeah, this is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just I, I I got so sick of hearing that. It's just it is such a mute point. And, and even a couple of years ago, I forget what shooting there was a. I forget what shooting it was, but our fearless leader at the time blamed video games and it's been proven time and time again there is no causal link with violence in video games most Uh, studies that have been done on it literally show the opposite that you know doing having video games where you get out aggression is actually good for you Mm -hmm. now obviously video games are good for you but obviously not if you don't do anything else Mm -hmm. Uh, like anything's broccoli is poisonous if you eat it nonstop. If you don't know that, like you can, you can get broccoli poisoning. There's such thing as water poisoning. Yeah. Like, so you can get H2O poisoning, but like video games, if you play a couple hours a day, you come home, you play two, three hours after school, you come home, play hour or two after work. Yes. Uh, kids play more, um, that, <laughs> but like, it's good for you. You, you get to, to relax. It's actually, uh, you, even contrary to a, what a lot of people think, staring at a screen actually is good for your eyes. It can help improve um, contrast in your vision, which is like being able to distinguish different gr- shades of gray. And like it, it has a lot of mental benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also does improve um, not only hand-eye coordination, but like uh, any like coordination. Because your your brain just gets more, it, it's fine motor skills to play a, the to use a controller or a keyboard or anything to play video games. So your mind gets uh, a lot of practice with fine motor skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, I guess though, we do need to talk about some of the more toxic things that do come on with video games. More so being culture. Um, Fucking noob. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. Um, a lot of online bullying, unfortunately, has its, um, you know, clutches in or it has its origins in online gaming. Now, with again, with the advent of the internet and Web 2.0 really spurring gaming culture, it also spurred the ability for people to 
play multiple multiplayer games and as we mentioned meet people online unfortunately just like the real life in the real world all those people you meet aren't necessarily your friend um a lot of online bullying like i mentioned comes from video games there have been uh arguments and instances of uh bad behavior in video games have spilled out into the real world uh, there was some unhinged gentleman who I remember I, I didn't have I don't have the article in the front of me. He lost he, he got he was losing a game to somebody. Um, not so much like the, the, the guy he was losing to was just ridiculously racking on him, just shit talking him all, the entire time. Every time he uh, will play with him, and this gentleman got sick and tired of that, and then spent I think a, a year, two years tracking this dude down. So he could show up and kill him. Just showed up at this dude's house after years of tracking him online from his gamer tag on Xbox and kills this guy. So uh, unfortunately, those events happen. They are definitely the rarity. I mean, people have died over games of one-on-one basketball that went south. So unfortunately, there's always somebody willing to take a life for a dumb reason. But those instances do spill out. Uh, I saw, I saw a YouTube thing, which was definitely not as violent, but uh, this guy was playing, uh, I think they were playing Rainbow Six Siege, and uh, this guy starts team killing his his teammate because mm-hmm. they were talking shit to him like a month or two ago, and he remembered the gamer tag. Yeah. Yep. It was... Okay, I think I found the article. Yeah, it was... A man, he stabbed him 22 times over an Xbox Live argument. Kevin Kemp, Damn, age 20. What are they arguing about, bro? I don't know. I mean, I got into some heated debates, but I never, it, it never became, I'm going to track you down over the next three years, That's find so you, and stab too. you. Like, like, I can just block you, dude. That's yeah. that's nuts, dude. Yeah. Um. So you see a lot of the really toxic, uh, you're, so you're probably... Not even if you've had a bad game with somebody, even if you ran to a total asshole online, you're probably not going to run to somebody who's planning to track you down and murder you. You are much more likely to uh, run into the kind of toxic behavior you saw in what became known as Gamergate, which happened in 2014. Um, to the real Cliff Notes version of that, of Gamergate, it essentially boiled down to a bunch of neckbeard douches being neckbeard douches. Um, it began with, uh, the doxing and public, like uh, doxing and public shaming and harassment of three women in the video of two women in the video game industry. Uh, one of which after her, her and her then boyfriend had a bad breakup, uh, people accused her of being a toxic partner. Um, that person's name was Zoe Quinn. Uh, so Zoe Quinn and Brianna Wu, um, who were then the targets of a vast majority of the online harassment from Gamergate. Um, there was a lot of false accusations of Quinn being, you know, a horrible person or just overall unethical partner in the relationship, which again, I don't know if she was or wasn't, but I do know that how the hell would I know unless, unless I was in a relationship with that person. Um, a lot, this culminated with not only death threats, but unfortunately rape threats uh, doxing, which you don't know what doxing is, is leaking someone's personal information, usually their location. 
um, and like things like a street address, uh, car number, car license plate, things of that nature. Um, and people consider it to be some sort of movement. It really was just a bunch of neck beard man babies just pissed off at women for, I guess, existing in their space. Um, I know I remember when it was happening, a lot of people tried to make it into something it wasn't and, and talk about, oh, the feminists are trying to ruin gaming. It, it, it was just bullshit. Like, I know I'm not trying to gloss over it. You, there's it's an entire, obviously, huge event that happened over the span of a, about, I think, about a, about a year or so um, around the mid 2010s. But it really was just a bunch of dicks being dicks <laughs> and going online anonymously and pseudonymously on different chat message boards and forums harassing. I mean, women. online bullying isn't just a thing that's, that's, yeah. you know, in gaming, it, it comes with any sort of online format because people can hide behind their screen. Like there's, they don't think there's any real consequences of, you know, talking shit to people and stuff. It's like, you read the comments on a fucking YouTube video, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's just it's all that. Uh, but games, because they're competitive, especially multiplayer games, mm-hmm. because they are competitive, people get heated. I mean, you see people talk shit at football games like yeah. uh, basketball games, all of that. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I know a lot of people that won't play League of Legends because mm-hmm. of how toxic it is. Just because yeah. if you're not good, people yell at you. Yeah, it could be your first game and people are like screaming at you that your mom sucked their penis last night. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, my, my, I mean, my, mom knows a, my mom knows all these people apparently. Wow. Just... <laughs> yeah. That's cause your mom was with me last night. Isn't it? Yeah. Like you hear that shit all the time. And like, <laughs> nothing's funnier than a fucking 10 year old trying to yeah. talk shit to you. But, and, and a big part just to, Talk about finish the game again. A lot, a lot of it was just trolls being trolls, but a lot of it also it, it started with you know attacks on these two women, but then bo- spilled out into a lot of people being upset at there was you no know, commentary, uh, necessary commentary really for game and gaming culture and specifically women and how they're represented in video games needing to change. Um, you know, I remember you know growing up playing things like. Um, extreme beach volley, like dead or alive extreme beach volleyball. You know, you had like you had the cheat code that would make their tits grow like three times the size. And there was a lot of as more and more women wanted to get into the gaming industry, there was a lot more boys' clubs and views of women in a very negative light that came to the forefront. And unfortunately those things don't just change overnight. You have a lot of people who consciously or subconsciously like those kinds of things and so it becomes this big troll flame war of uh people like just not refusing to change what is toxic behavior um like a couple years it's it's hard to think about you could you couldn't have had a game like last of us 2 in 2009 you couldn't and people would not have respected ellie as that sophisticated of a character or um abby as you know that powerful of a woman in that in that time frame and so i only played like i think an hour of that game it's it's really good a lot of people don't like it i'm not going to spoil it a lot of people don't like it based off of some decisions characters make at the end of the game Uh, but i felt it was a fantastic game Um, yeah but a lot of people basically view gamergate as a 
almost a conservative backlash against progressivism in video games. Um, just a lot of dudes pissed off that uh, women want games to be a little bit more inclusive and a little less sexist. And if you're not, if if it's one of those things where if you're not part of the problem, or if there is no problem, you shouldn't have an issue with this. Like, I mean, shit, porn's free. We don't need to have like every video game have every female character no, be like half naked. Like, <laughs> we have anime for that. Yeah, and so you really saw this happen a lot in. Um, is I, I think it's unfortunately one of those is those negative events that had to happen in order for a lot of more positive things in gaming in general to be able to happen. Um, and I think lastly, the big thing that you see nowadays that I love so much is the birth and the thriving of the indie developer. I, I just, so many people are now because of how open source game engines are like, like, like the unreal engine and building games from scratch are you have people who are able to just with two friends and a PC build a game from the ground up, build really well-made fantastic games. And that, that, that was unheard of. I mean, just like it was unheard of for you to be able to like stream a movie off a laptop 20 years ago, just the idea of you and three of your buddies starting a video game company in your basement. That's actually turning out numbers and results in a year's time was unheard of. Now that's a Tuesday night, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay, like my favorite indie Two game. Two dudes can have nothing to talk about, but everything to talk about and start a podcast now. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's crazy, crazy dude. Like, who, who, who would have thought that two people with no good opinions about anything could just now, talk for an hour once a week and people would listen now to it. I can press a button. I can press a button on my phone that makes a stranger come bring me food. And it's a oh good idea God. to eat that food for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Strangers showing up at your house with food is now not a bad sign. It generally yes. means someone loves idea. you and sent you DoorDash. Right. But it's. It's like my personal favorite indie game, indie developer studio is called The Behemoth. Um, they've made Alien Hominid, which is one of my favorite games of all time. Castle Crashers, also one of my favorite games of all time. I do uh, love Pit Castle People. Crashers. Castle Crashers is amazing. You, you want to play it later? You have it? Uh, I have it on Switch. Damn it. All right, I have it on PC. Crap. Um, but uh, Castle Crashers, Pit People. I did not play Pit People. I'm not big into strategy games. Um, their sleeper hit, in my opinion, which was uh, uh, Battle Block Theater. Uh, very fun game. Battle Block Theater was the first game I ever played where, like, the rewards for doing a lot of activities was an awesome cutscene. And it was the cutscene was fantastic. It, it was so funny. Uh, like, every time you got to a certain stage, you get a new cutscene where the narrator would kind of tell you what's going on and give a little bit more of a history about the events. And I, I the gentleman who voices it hats off to him it's so freaking funny uh, yeah, is it it wasn't hades it. an indie game company hades, is hades? All, i think yes hades is also an indie game developer or or made by an indie game company uh it was made by let me see here 
Uh, it is made by Supergiant Games. Yes. And Haley's got Game of the Year for 2020. It came out last minute, end of December. It was hella good, dude. There's ga- There's a lot of games like that, that that I would play on my phone, like those like dungeon run games, mm-hmm. where like if you die, you just start back at the beginning. And yeah. I just love the Rogue-like. format. I love the art style. Mm-hmm. I love all the characters and all the 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 crazy. Like every time you die and you go back, they have new stuff to say. Like mm-hmm. there's so much just like small content in it mm-hmm. that it's crazy. Yes. Also, if you have not played Hades, do yourself a favor and go play Hades. It is fan fucking tastic. It deserves every bit of it of the best game of 2020 award that it got. Again, love seeing any developers come out swinging like this. Hades is it is. I know it's on Switch. It's also on PC. I believe there's going to be also one of the biggest games on uh, Steam or not Steam Twitch right now. Valheim is an indie game. I'm not as big into Valheim. Valheim just made me want to play more Overwatch. (laughs) I'm just not. I thought I would like Valheim a lot more. I hate saying that. You're thinking of Valorant. I am thinking of Valorant. Shit. That is not an indie okay, game company. That is Valorant Games, and they make League of Legends. So that is not an indie game company. Okay. But <laughs> they might have been at one Valheim, time. Valheim, yes. Valheim, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, one I of those uh, survival games or whatever, but you're also like a Viking. Um, that's an indie game company. You got stuff like Cuphead, um, mm-hmm. stuff like that, which is not a game I think that anybody uh, should ever play. Cuphead's great. Uh, you you play Cuphead if you've given up on life and you need <laughs> you need more of a reason to live, and that reason will be hatred. Cuphead is two D Dark Souls. Um, it is the hardest game I have ever played in my life, and it looks like a child's game. Yeah, I, I, it is. It is a very like if you're if you're familiar with the Dark Souls, Demon Souls series of games. Um, there are games that people say beat you into loving them. They're extremely hard, dif- and hard and difficult games that you have to also kind of piece together the story uh, by just the items you find and the lore that you pick up. Um, but you get a, a big sense of accomplishment once you defeat it or beat the game. I played Dark Souls 3. I did not enjoy myself nearly as much as a lot of other people did. Um, I am going to play Cuphead when I'm like 80 years old and I'm giving up on life. Just to fill myself with hatred to last another 80 years. Cuphead is phenomenal. Do not listen to Blake. I mean, again. It's a great game, but if you cannot play video games, don't even fucking try. It will beat you into loving it just like Dark Souls. You'll be stuck on the first mission for like eight years, dude. (laughs) It will beat you with a hand that looks like Popeye's because all of the art style is 1920s animation. It (laughs) is so cool. The story's so cool, but like. It's just so fucking hard. I couldn't get past the first boss. I got... Okay, so I got it. I got the game the day it came out. Uh, my friend Kyle and I have been, like, hyped up for it. We were going on a vacation. So my friends and I had this big uh, party at, like, uh, Kalahari. We brought my laptop, hooked up to the TV, and started playing as soon as we got there. We were severely underprepared for how difficult that game was going to be. And so... Maybe an hour of us being on vacation, we are screaming like obscenities to the TV, like, like "Fuck, God damn it, shit, God shit, damn it!" <laughs> and like, like, oh yeah, this is much 
much of a you know bigger you know tougher thing than i was anticipating yeah but um so i knew it was hard when i got it and it was one of the first games i got when i got a switch mm-hmm. because i was just looking for games to get and uh one of our mutual friends and my roommate claudia mm-hmm. and i played it and i literally just could not get past anything i was like it's so much button mashing and timing and like all this crap like all these old games had that i am not good at i got to inkwell isle i think three i got i've got to like the third little section of the game um and i just i had this issue where i just had a hard time i got stuck on both bosses that the bosses did the, the beat were a pirate captain and a giant bumblebee and both of them are whooping my ass. I actually played it on Saturday, and I'm like, oh, but this is still difficult, so I'm still stuck there. Uh, but the game's He's great. I mean, it's still it. a great game. Uh, Bloodborne's another one of those. That's made by the same people who made Dark Souls, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Bloodborne is really... Bloodborne's really good if you're into that same idea. Again, I'm, like, I'm not into that gothic, dark fantasy as much. I liked Sekiro. Sekiro, if you're a weeb... Sekiro is really good. It's made by the same group of people. It's a little bit more forgiving because if you die, you can come back to life one time. Um, but it's also in the same vein of it is ridiculously hard. I'm not into I'm not into that uh, self torture yeah. kind of shit. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I'm not trying to be artistic, mm-hmm. so I don't. I don't need that uh that self torture tortured lifestyle of an artist video game <laughs> lifestyle. <laughs> but I feel like I am more of a PvP kicking somebody else's ass kind of shit. Nothing feels better in a video game than killing another player. Okay. I'm glad I'm glad you added video game to that, because otherwise that would seem really dark. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like like you play a game and you beat a cool boss, like that's whatever. It's a it's program. But like when I'm going toe to toe with you in a shooter, and I fucking headshot the fuck out of you, and I'm just over here in my little world in my bedroom going, oh, suck it, because I beat another human, and it it proves my superiority. And I don't know, you just get that rush, like from it like in all honesty i just i remember playing stuff like halo online and call of duty in high school and just the rush that went along with you know actually beating another player like you get in those gunfights where it's just like goes on for a couple minutes and then you kill them and you're just like oh yeah like i just remember like getting so hyped and it's that rush mm-hmm. so I, I love that kind of stuff and i love playing video games with friends having the chat on just chilling um that kind of stuff yeah so um i think like for video games one of those things like like i don't i don't don't think we're something that we really need to fix about video games so much as just don't be a fucking dick i mean so much of life can be fixed and, and so much of your life can be better if you just decide hey i'm gonna not be a dick about that just like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna not be a dick today. If I lose it, if I, if I lose and I'm playing Overwatch, it's just all right, good game. That's it. And I, th- there's definitely a um a subgroup of people who they get some sort of I, I don't know uh, satisfaction from 
going on video games and like attacking new players. I don't understand that. Like who, I don't know why you like, what is so low about having to get satisfaction from beating noobs? I, I never really understood that. I'm like, you, yeah, you beat somebody who doesn't know how to play the game. I mean, like if you, if you went to a daycare and beat up some five-year-olds, we're not going to think you're tough. I mean, so why do you think you're a badass for beating new players? Um, Hey man, or, I've never hit a kid before, but like, that was kind of a I bad probably analogy. could take one. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a bad analogy, but it's just, it's. I can take at least five fifth fifth graders, man. It's it's a similar idea to um, what was it like again? Like the same thing with with people not making gaming culture or being like douchey around having other people like women in gaming culture. It's just like ask yourself if you're a decent person. Why would you have an issue with this? If you're a decent human being, why would you have an issue with new players just trying to, you know, get their feet wet in the game or I think women? A, I think the being... problem is a lot of people just aren't decent people. That's a good point. Yeah. So start. We start fixed by everything. Being... What, there what go. the fuck? We just ended our own podcast. We just answered every fucking question of everything that we fixed. Hey. Maybe try to be more of a decent person. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> stop being a douche. We never need to make another one. <laughs> this need, there's, there needs to be our like our, our slogan shirt. Stop being a douche. Like, have you tried not being a douchebag? It just and <laughs> like like oh, you can't get a cool cute. Also, there's an unhealthy fetishism with the cute gamer girl fetishes fetish. It's like like, and I think that also pushes people from men and women pushes people from gaming because you have women who don't want to play the games um then you have dudes who see that kind of content and see that kind of culture in gaming and who might be interested who like i don't want to be anywhere near that kind of nonsense it's it's just like there are people i I don't understand actually i I do but i mean like there's a huge niche 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 for that though i just like People and, play video games. It's like there's not. Why is there not? A, there's not a niche for like the the movie buff girl. Like, hey, look, so, if you want to play video games on Twitch with your cleavage out, that's your I mean, prerogative, that is, man. No, if that's people fine. I mean, if people play- don't like it, like watch a different Twitch streamer. Like, there's fucking millions, dude. I mean, dude, like the idea of a girl who plays like video game is like really gatekeeped. Like. If you you and I just talked about how we like video games, and if we would go up to some dude and say that, no one bats an eye. But yeah. if if like one of our friends, like Claudia or Rachel, someone like says they like video games, now it's like, all right, oh you do, oh you do, okay, okay. What was the third boss you had to play in Star Fox sixty four? If and only if you got a high enough score to go to the second the second area, like that, that you that you would get if you uh, I think went through the. Uh, Asteroid field. What was that boss's even, name? I wouldn't like, even know the fucking answer to that. Uh, uh, oh, you don't know that? Not a real gamer. Like the fuck, dude. <laughs> name every Call of Duty ever. Right now. Like, why is that a thing? Like, why, dude? It's the main character of Halo. <laughs> like, ah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I, I mean, I, I keep saying I understand. I do understand it. It's a bunch it's of. It's like girls who like sports. Like, you, everybody gives them the second degree just yeah. because it's primarily a boys club. Yeah, like let girls do what they want to do, man. Yeah. Girls who play video games are awesome. Yes, it's it's. I don't. It, it you're not making video games worse by. I don't want to say necessarily video game girls down. are hot, but like, because like it's just an activity. Yeah, but like, uh, 
it's hot to me for a girl to play video games because it's something we can talk about. Like, it, it's not just because you play video games it makes you sexy, mm-hmm. but like having stuff in common is important. Yeah. So I love girls that play video games, friends or otherwise. Like, it's just it's something to have in common with them and and to talk about. Yeah. I have so a... I don't get why, but like video game girls are hot. Like it's it's hot to have that thing to have with them and i'm saying this again for the point of why are people mad about it like why are you being a bitch like you now have a girl with boobs you like boobs i'm not assuming everyone does but like if if you're in the boys club you probably like boobs like there's at least a 50 50 chance you like boobs and like (laughs) so like like why are you mad that this person with the with the equipment you like on a person is into the same thing as you. Like, you can talk to them about it. If they don't know shit, teach them about it. Like, be like, oh, you don't know every Call of Duty? Well, maybe we shouldn't play those. But here's another good game! Like, like, why are you getting upset about I mean, it? Maybe like, we don't have to have the entire spiel about the history of Call of Duty uh, to like, play, in order to play like, it. You've never played Zelda? Like, le- dude, let's play Zelda. I want to watch you play Zelda right now. Let's go. Yeah. I want to see you experience this shit. Like... I, I, I don't get why you'd be mad about sharing something that's important with you with somebody that you could be interested in or friendship or otherwise. I had a coworker and I was like going through that little like 18 to 24 metamorphosis. And I was similar boat. I'm like, oh, I got I can't date someone who's not a nerd. And the best advice, shouts out to Rebecca, the best advice she ever gave me. She was like, you don't need to date somebody who's also a nerd, also in a video game. Cause like her fiance was super into video games and she's not like, you don't need to date someone who is also a gamer. You just need to be dating somebody who is okay with the fact that you're one. And that was the best advice in, anyone gave me about dating at the time. I'm like, Oh, I guess that makes sense. Uh, my issue is like people make this fetishism about you being a gamer girl as if it's some, first of all, as if it's, not more, every gamer as girl if, is as if it's more rare stuff. than it is because my that's like they're very very common the issue is just a lot of people get creeped out because of how fetishized being a woman who plays video games is so they may not talk about it as often but again very common and so that's why and two is that which bring my to my second point it's not that big of a fucking deal it's it's just a hobby so if they're into it great but they're not into it okay well keep moving on you gonna really not meet somebody awesome because they're not in the video gaming so i I, my my only my problem is more so with the fetishizing of a casual hobby than it is with people being actually into that hobby Um, yeah so don't do that (laughs) don't creep people out of out of the fandom like everyone has a fandom that's something they're a fan of that has been ruined or almost ruined by said fans don't be that person in your fandom who ruins potentially anyone new from joining it don't be an office fan don't yeah fuck the office <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i know that, that's gonna piss somebody off look i like parks and rec parks and rec this is a parks and rec podcast don't, don't don't be a fan of the office that tells me that it's so fucking amazing and that i should learn to love it because how I is that a personality it. yeah like when did watching The Office become a personality trait? Liking The Office is not is not a personality. Oh my trait. gosh! Like if it's on your Tinder, go fucking take it off right yeah, now. Please, you're not that like like that is the That's most not your personality, dude. Uh, Unless like, you're Steve fucking Carell, like it's not your fucking it's not you, dude. 
you can tell like this is how you know if your dating profile is basic if you have references to tacos and margs you have anything about the office on it um if you're a dude you're holding a fish <laughs> Hey, but if you have a new girl quote on there, <laughs> that's just classy right there. Because I definitely have a new girl quote on my Tinder. Uh, I'm giving up on women and putting all my energy into tomatoes. <laughs> Nick Miller. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, gaming's dope. It's just, it's people that suck. So people do uh, suck. And as we've gone to in this podcast, like as I said. It actually does have a lot of benefits. Playing video games is actually good for you. Mm -hmm. Obviously, not all the time. There is such thing as video game addiction. If you are playing and you don't shower and that kind of stuff, like there is actual addictions to video gaming. But, you know, if Mm -hmm. you are a casual video gamer and you play every once in a while, it is very healthy for you. It is not bad for you. It will not turn you into a violent sociopath. Like it, it's actually good for your mental health. Yeah, I think um, the my like my some of my hardest times in life, I got through by playing a game. Uh, any, anything, anything can become a vice. Anything can become an addiction if if you let it start to take over important areas of your life. Um, when anything you're doing starts to really impact your interactions and with your loved ones and starts to negatively impact your responsibilities, then it's time to potentially seek help. Um, when you're like, when you're consistently skipping work and look, and we, we, we both have had like games where like, look, this game comes out. I'm taking a day off. Cause you know, hey, look, when I first played Skyrim and I'm not proud of this, I didn't, I was in college and I didn't go to school for two weeks. Ah, uh... That's like two game, full though. fucking weeks. Like I did not go to school. I skipped cl- class every day to play Skyrim. I when I've never done that. I've never when I when a big game comes out, I will still take a day off if it's big enough that I'm like, no, I've been anticipating this. Especially if I feel kind of stressed out from work. Like, no, I'm a little stressed out from work. I'm anticipating this. If it's like a Friday, then I just work a Friday. But when Doom came out, I took a day off for Doom. Doom uh, Eternal because I love Doom 2016. Um, when I think that was a that's the most recent game I can think of. I took time off from work to play. When my gaming PC got here, I took time off from work, but that was because it was a PC and I've been and I've been waiting months for it. Um, he just yeah. played a lot of Minecraft. Don't let him. Don't let him fool you. He wasn't even really playing like more like, than just Lego. Minecraft. He played. He played online Legos all day. Dude, no, I was playing Barbie's Great Adventure. What? Oh, no, dude, he was playing that math game from when we were kids. <laughs> Minesweeper. No, um, those educational math games. It's all about that Pajama Sam. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, baby. I, I don't remember what they were called, but those, like, educational, like, fucking video games from when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even remember what they were called. Pajama Sam was my shit. If you, like, Pajama Sam was, like, a... Like seven and under educational PC CD ROM game. It was all, it, it taught you, it was kind of like Blue's Clues, but a game. Like he taught you shapes and how to find colors and stuff and how to problem solve. I love me some Pajama Sam. Like if you went to the Cleveland Heights library between 
1998 in 19 and 2003 you was on some pajama sam uh, i, I kind of missed that game can i get that pajama on steam <laughs> i don't even know what that is dude pajama sam's where is that dude you missed it i i you're not even that much older than me and yet you don't know pajama sam that's what i'm saying like i miss so much and it like weirds me out that like you, I've missed so much in my life, I guess. Pajama Sam taught you how to not be scared of the dark. Are there oh, four Pajama shit. Sam I games? I do know this game. I just uh, I Googled it on my phone. He taught you how to not be afraid of thunder and lightning. He had one. Pajama Sam 3. Was I think my one, brother had this game. It was one I played the most. It was uh, like, it was Pajama Sam 3 was teaching you how to eat healthy. And that was back when we, everyone was still doing the whole food guide pyramid. And... Uh, and then, like the, the the last one, which I didn't, which I didn't play, which I guess I should have, was about like how to not lose stuff and being organized. I never played that game, and I lose shit constantly. So <laughs> maybe that was the one I needed to finish playing. But yeah, Pajama Sam is a phenomenal was a phenomenal series of games for uh, young minds. Uh, it, it really was kind of like a Blues Clues, but you know, a PC game. Yeah, games are awesome. I think that uh, you have any little final thoughts there, buddy? Video games are amazing, and Dan did not play Outriders with me this weekend. Dan fell asleep, and and (laughs) no shame. I got sleepy on Saturday night, and the game ain't even out. It's just a demo, so yes. All of my research for, for this podcast was just playing outriders demo like four times yeah with I mean, all the different classes i mean it's fun i mean i ain't it ain't it ain't spending my entire weekend playing it fun <laughs> i had a bunch of people that wanted to play it and i just kept getting back on got you yeah but, um, um i don't think what's your much all-time to- favorite video game Ooh. I have a lot of favorite games. I think all time favorite. You actually already mentioned it. Skyrim. Like Skyrim. Skyrim. I remember I got it in college as well, and I didn't skip class for it. But that was the first game I felt totally immersed. Like I felt like I could do whatever I wanted. That there was just always something new to discover and do. Uh, There are so many different ways to play it. I had like three different characters with three different backstories I made for the characters and consistently had fun stuff to do playing as those characters, the way I had set out for myself without getting bored. I had one character. It's so lame. His backstory in my mind, at least was he would become, uh, he, he was poor as dirt. And I made him join the thieves guild to be and then like I made him join the Assassin's Guild. So basically I made like a little ninja. And like I would just like go through I one day a guard pissed me off, so I went through and killed the entire town. Because how good my sneak had gotten by that point. So I, I had that like the level where you could just crouch and you immediately went invisible to everybody else. And I just killed everyone in town just to be say just be like, yeah, fuck with me. So that was Damn. like my assassin build and murdered a whole town. Yes, 
I couldn't kill the Jarl because he was, you know, need necessary for certain stories. But like everyone except the Jarl was dead. Was it White Run? It wasn't White Run. It was um, shit. It was one of those like I remember it was like a foggy city. wasn't wasn't Was it Riften? No, Riften's where the Thieves Guild is. Okay, it wasn't Riften then. It was uh, uh was it Winterhold or whatever? Not, not Winterhold. Ah, uh, shit. No, White Run. I was like my safe haven. I had a house in White Run because I I got so much money for killing the Emperor. So I was like, okay, I'm like a, a retired assassin, basically. Um, <laughs> no, it was uh, Riften the Winter. I don't think I ever finished Skyrim, honestly. I don't think you really need to finish Skyrim. You just jump in there and do what you feel like doing. Like I got super far, but I don't think I ever finished it. I got. I don't even think I finished the main story. Me either. I, I just kept getting sidetracked. I mean, that's just a statement about me and gaming all together. It's like, oh, something shiny. Um, I think the farthest I got in Skyrim was with my first character who I put all of my original points into two-handed weaponry. Mm-hmm. I could crit everybody, basically. Nice. Until I got trapped in a hallway and got taken down by a, like a level two guy with a bow. Markarth. Uh, Markarth? Yeah, I killed everyone in Markarth. Damn. Just went through the city like a plague at night. At, at night, did it at night too, and just went into houses, kill, 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 and then just sat there in the city. Even the children? I mean, you couldn't kill children back then. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, my first character, I was a red guard, and I put all of my skills in the two-handed weaponry, and I just wrecked everybody's shit. I think the farthest I got, though, with him was right before... I got the last... Um like dragonborn spell whatever they were called thooms i think mm-hmm. or whatever and then uh so it was right before you were supposed to go fight the big evil dragon and i just never did it mm-hmm. yeah the companion storyline still my favorite uh we become werewolves yeah yeah that was dope and you get this fucking shield at the end of it mm-hmm. that has spikes on the end so when you block with it it does damage to people it's so awesome. I remember my favorite was uh, I like when you I like that you could join either army, either you could join um, uh, who would, the Stormcloaks or the Empire, and then no matter which side you join, you then got to fight in the war for that side, and it was an actual pretty climactic battle between you and their side. Like it was like there was tons of people dying and shit. It was a yeah. fun time. Like, like I did not so I did not get so much into Skyrim online or Elder Scrolls online. It's it's one of those things where I really feel that franchise just does best when it's a solo RPG. Elder Scrolls Online had a lot of problems when it first came out. Yeah. I got and it. That's kind of what working, killed it. I was still working at Best Buy when it came out. And it, uh, it had a ton of problems when it first came out and it kind of just killed it. I have friends that still play it now mm-hmm. and it is better. I have played it with them. They talked me into playing it with them because they were like, dude, at GameStop, it's like five bucks. And I was like, all right, I'll play a game with you for five bucks. Like, that's not that big of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, but it's... It, so it does play a lot better now. The classes and stuff is, are fixed, but it's still Skyrim. It's no Skyrim, man. What's yours? Favorite game. Um, the game I remember the most. So the two games I remember the most out of my life are Skyrim, 
which I played in college, but as a kid playing Kingdom Hearts one and two. I feel that. I feel that a lot. I was I was really into them. Yeah. I remember watching I, I my like... brother play Kingdom Hearts one, um, because I never was able to finish it. Mm-hmm. I didn't finish it till I was an adult because it came out when I was still pretty young. It wasn't that good at video games. And then I remember myself playing all the way through Kingdom Hearts 2. And in Kingdom Hearts 3, I am stuck on the world of Frozen and refuse to replay it because I fucked up my save and now have to replay the entire world and don't want to. Yeah, I uh, was in a weird spot with Kingdom Hearts. So I love the first one. It's funny as an adult now. I remember as a kid being like, we had to wait such a long time for Kingdom Hearts 3 to come out. We waited three years. Three years no. for Kingdom Hearts. For Kingdom Hearts, sorry, Kingdom Hearts 2, excuse me. Yeah. Like, thinking like, okay, oh, it's Kingdom such a Hearts long time. 3, it was like what? Like, right. Like, years or some dude, shit. No, longer than that. It was, okay, <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 2 came out and when I, in 2000 and, I want to say 2006. Um, and then, obviously, Kingdom Hearts 3 didn't come out to like two years ago. Um, so Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in 2005. December of 2005 was Kingdom Hearts 3. Or Kingdom, ah, I'm saying it wrong. Kingdom Hearts 2 was December of 2005. Um, Kingdom Hearts 3 would not come out until 15 years later. Oh my god. Or, sorry, 14 years later. Excuse me. In January of 2019. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's like the whole and, reason I bought a PS4 was to play Kingdom Hearts three, dude. And for me, I remember I got I was so worried about not having a, a PlayStation three because I was going to be so mad I was going to be missing the Kingdom Hearts three story. And I'm glad didn't worry about that. Was, <laughs> yeah, uh, I just I those those games became so convoluted, but back then it used to be so simple. Mm-hmm. I remember Kingdom Hearts one and two. It's, I like the soundtrack a lot. I remember um, that similar to that soundtrack from the original first game. Um, I forget what it's called. Um, yeah, I was not good enough to beat the first game. I got stuck, I think, in Wonderland. I had a crack copy. Not, not like a bootleg copy. Like The copy I had was defective. And so there's a level towards the end of the game where you're fighting. You're in this room. We got to fight all these Heartless. And there's a door. And the more heartless you kill, the more pieces of the, the heart fragment of this door fall off to finally kill all the heartless and the door opens up and you can walk through it. My copy was defective in that that door, the final piece never fell out. So Is that during like the, the final final stages? Yes. Okay. So I'm That's just sitting there stuck like crap. I can't do anything. Uh, I, so- I finally beat Kingdom Hearts 1 like right before kingdom hearts 3 came out yeah by the time kingdom hearts 3 came out like that the drive to beat it or the drive to play it had really kind of died down for me like i just was not that interested anymore when 3 came out to like really know how the story like, i didn't play all the kingdom hearts like, birth memory sleep sleep man coma final final remix okay, if you guys like, want the, the full version. story of Kingdom Hearts Explained, you can uh, go listen to a podcast that I did before with some other buddies. Um, there, We did a Kingdom Hearts episode, and I think Kirai explained most of it. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't know which episode of um nerd culture discussion it was, but uh, if you ever want to listen to me talk about it, there's a whole podcast about it out there in the internet. Um, but thanks again for going on this adventure with us and um, send us some emails about your guys' favorite games. Our, my email address is now on the description of the podcast. Um, send us some emails about that. If you have any topics you want us to talk about, if you have any comments, concerns, dick pics that nobody Don't forget wants. those dick pics. <laughs> um, please don't send me a dick pic, but I mean, like, if you need me to read it, I guess I will. Send them. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dan really wants people to do it. Um, send, send us pictures of your pets. Send us pictures of whatever. Uh, like, comments, concerns, help us make our podcast better. Uh, tell us how much you love us. Share us with a friend. That's your homework for the week. Everybody have a great day. It'd be funny as hell someone just sends you a picture of their dog, the name Dick Pick. <laughs> it's just labeled Dick Pick, and then I open it and I'm like, oh, that's a cute dog. But yeah, adios, folks. Bye, guys.